right, welcome back to the Built by Bailey's podcast. Welcome back to episode. We just were talking about this beforehand. I have no idea. Uh, Evan, welcome. How are you? Haven't seen you in a minute. Um, no, I've heard you on you the know. phone, and you've surgeries, been, uh, COVID. You've been through a few things. Yeah, it's been a rough few months a for long you. Month. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Has it only been? Feels like one month, probably. I feel like it's probably been a little bit God. more than that. Well, I've almost had COVID now for a month. So, yeah. Yeah. but I'm totally out of the woods now, and I'm one of those long haulers. You're a long hauler. Yes. Yeah. yes. So everyone that. else gets into my house. They're all out for you know a couple of days, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're all great." And I'm just sitting here like sucking wind for a month. It's like what the? So, <laughs> been a long month. <clears throat> we're get we're getting you better good. though. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Matt, I think has reached out to you and, uh, you sound better even though you're coughing, but that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We it's got good, to, it's good to see you sitting up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good to be sitting up. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsors real quick. Confluence SBC, confluencesbc.com is a co-working space in Lafayette, Colorado, Boulder County. They have phenomenal stuff to go check out. If you guys are ready to get back out of the house, and join the Confluence team. They've got desks you can rent for the month. Uh, you can get a membership yearly. You can, they have office space. As I just saw Tom Hardy yesterday, we went out for a mountain bike ride. Um, he's got a couple of really cool offices available that just came available. So go hit them up, confluencesbc.com. Also want to say thank you to Brian Scott at 6ix9ine.design. They are super talented guys. You guys know they've done our logos. They do stickers. They do wraps. I just saw some posts on Instagram yesterday from Brian. Um, he's going into our podcast. He's doing a lot of uh, logos for businesses, for contractors, electricians, plumbers. I know everybody's trying to kind of start uh, 2020 a little bit different than 20, 2021. Is that we're backwards? See, this is how confusing it is to me. Uh, get off on the right foot in 2021 with Brian Scott, 6 Time Design. He'll take care of you. Um, with that being said... Welcome our next guest. Um, he's a obviously young dude that is, as we've discussed right before the podcast, into a lot of things. Um, but Matt DeBara, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you, man. How are you? It's great to be here. It's great to be here. So Matt, um, because we don't know a whole bunch about you either, why don't you tell us a little bit about what, you're, what you do now, what's your business Mm-hmm. And then we can kind of get into a little bit of your backstory that you were kind of discussing before we jumped on, because um, there's a lot of cool things I think we could jump into as far as your history and, and what you've been in. It sounds like it's you're kind of a mold of Evan and I a little bit, sounds like. So um, you yeah. like to do, you like to get into everything. That's a compliment. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, just hearing a little bit of you guys' backstory. So, I mean, right now I own a masonry and concrete company here in Los Angeles, um, family business, um, you know, really, really growing that. It's been a lot of fun. Um, And then in the last six months to a year, it's been, how do I help bridge the gap between homeowners and contractors and what's really changed, right? So that's where the undercover contractor kind of came about. um, And that's writing the book, finishing that up. And then, you know, the system I created called the Confident Homeowner System. So my passion's really been, well, there's all this time that I spent in this industry. And as I move past you know, construction into other endeavors, mm-hmm. what can I leave here that summarizes 102 years of family experience and, you know, childhood when my first day on the job was nine years old. So that's awesome. That yeah. awesome. sounds like my childhood growing up, <laughs> <laughs> starting with picking up trash. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool, man. I, so you, so you said 102 years of family business, right? Yeah. So you're a, you're a long, you come from a long line of Masons then? Is that, is that kind of where it, it all got started? So my family actually did everything. So my okay. great grandfathers came here from Italy. Um, nice. So my grandmother's father, grandfather's father, they both bought plots of land and they were too impatient to wait to save up money to buy a house that was already built. So they both bought land separately, dug holes in the ground, built the foundation slab, first floor, and then lived in the basement while they built the rest of the house. I couldn't nice. wait. <laughs> nice. That's so cool, man. Yeah. I love hearing history like that, especially with, I mean, we have, there's Los Angeles is a different, whole different animal, but like in Denver, Colorado, we have a lot of old homes and old neighborhoods, you know, turn of the century of 1900. And there's, you, I mean, Evan and I've worked on a bunch of these, but you've seen, like, you could tell when a family like that came in and built their own home because every single house has similar characteristics, but you get into like structure and you see the differences and, Oh, this guy definitely was a bricklayer when he built this house. Oh, this guy definitely was a carpenter when they, you know, constructed this. So there's like, you can literally see the history in some of those homes. So hearing like stories like that's pretty cool. Or sometimes you can definitely tell they were not bricklayers. Or they were none of the above. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they were not. Wow, these guys were not bricklayers. We this guy started, this. he learned yeah. the first time on this on his own home. That's great. <laughs> yep, this was his, uh, this was his, take a stab at it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could build that, yeah. Um, so how long have you owned the company? Uh, so we actually, um, I mean, I would say, so what happened was on the East Coast, <clears throat> I wanted to grow the business um, when I was young, young, I was in college and my dad wanted to stay really small, right? He okay. wanted to stay family. He was like, you know, no one works as hard <laughs> as your family, you know, just the old school beliefs. Love my dad. Right. Yeah, Nothing yeah. Wrong with that, but very old school. And so I broke off when I was, I think I was, I think uh, 18, 18 or 19 got licensed. He's like, good luck, son. And I was like, all right, well, I'll give it a stab. So, thanks, ass. Yeah, exactly. I was like, thanks, dad. I was like, you won't let me take it over because I'm not ready. You don't want to grow it. I'm like, boy, I love you, but you're tough. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's so cool. you've been so, doing it since you're 18. Yeah. I mean, I actually, really on your own. Well, here's on the thing. Yeah. So my dad, really, I was doing it on my own at like 12. Because my dad was kind of one of those guys where, to give you an idea, so nine years old, first day on the job was trash and sorting out rocks, right? So uh -huh. we did a lot of stone walls. So I'd have to sort the sizes. He's like, anything from golf ball to softball I want here, you know, volleyball to watermelon. He, like, I, that was literally my job, right? <laughs> nine years old, excited, oh right? Dad's yeah. got photos of building all this beautiful stuff. And I'm like, this is work. Okay. Not what I expected. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that definitely no, totally. is, as a young kid, it shows up quickly. You, you don't understand what it takes sometimes. I mean, I, I, I've got a 12 year old here. He's a, he's a, he's a great <clears throat> kid, but um, there's a lot of the, uh, uh, when it gets into like, you know, more than like two hours of work and aren't we done? Isn't the day I'm like, this is why I come home and sit on the couch and need 20 minutes to take a breath. I mean, this, now you understand what's going through this and, it, it's it's good for them i mean it's hard some days as a dad to kind of like yeah they're you, i mean you remember as a 12 year old how hard it was and how your body just like man this is the things are heavier you're not as strong it's it's and you ha you start having respect at the same time you feel as a dad like man i don't want to push him too hard because you know he's he's not he's not gonna be able to go as long as i am right now yeah. but he's got to learn what it takes and when they start, you know, tearing up and, and they've got their, you know, dirty cut up and everything like, man, I'll, I want to give them a break. The same, I'm like, no, you need to, you know, push it a little bit. You'll be okay. So it's, it's like this fine line of, I don't want to be a dick to them, but at the same time, 
you got to learn how to like, you know, you get you get all the Evans preaching this to his kids all the time. You got to you got to <laughs> work for it to get to a point where you can go ahead and turn around and say, I've earned this and it's worth it instead of just like a lot of kids we've seen. It's just handed to them. And, and it's it's a rough go when they get older, for sure. If they don't learn those things, for sure. Yeah, so we, we removed we removed like the idea of exposure and perspective with kids. Un- yes. Unfortunately, yes. It's like I made my kids. So I have a uh, man. I got a uh, a nine year old and a six year old, mm-hmm. and we watched. I made my nine year old watch this documentary called "The Most Dangerous Trips to School." <laughs> it was like on <laughs> National Geographic. <laughs> And it was were like, they were you on these, some like, of those? No, no, it was, they followed this, uh, these two kids. One was in, I think Peru. And the other one was in oh, like some Malaysian Island, I think, whatever. But like the kids in Peru, there were three of them. And they literally to get to school was three hours. They're three hours back every day. And the kids were like from five to like eight. And the parents would just shove them out the door. And the first thing they had to do was get on this canoe that was, that had holes in it. And they would have to canoe the river for like an hour and a half while one kid's bailing water. And it's like the five-year-old bails water and the other kids can, and then they got to like get out and like shoeless walk through the jungle with like venomous snakes. And it was all just to go to learn how to read. You know, and, you know, and it's just like, that's, yes, I get that's extreme, but you know, if you don't understand like the curbs, Uh you know, you know, and it's just like, I want my kid to know, like, we don't, I'm not saying walk to school necessarily. I'm just saying, know that that exists and that there is kids like that that exist. And so when I tell you just to put your shoes on (laughs) to get in the 2021 Dodge Ram truck, you know, that's already warmed up for you with heated seats. Like, just, you know, put your fucking shoes on. You know, like, you know, don't give me pushback. But it's a, it's a dying. We don't take kids out anymore. You no. know, um, you know, in, 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 in exposing that stuff without people getting. But I just <clears throat> somewhere in there, there is a good story. I mean, I, I would ask you this, Matt. Do you think that at 18 you would have went off on your own the way you kind of went off on your own if you weren't working and doing that kind of stuff at nine years old if you were playing roadblox and video games until 18 would you have left 18 and went and started a business or do you think there is something in there with you starting work at nine years old sorting bricks and and rocks my dad i mean he seasoned me right because my great-grandfathers had nothing so it was always like you got it easy compared to your great-grandfathers right like we didn't I found out that I've been intermittent fasting for like, you know, we, my dad wouldn't let us eat lunch because he's like, it slows you down. We eat lunch at like four or five o'clock. I'm like, I'm, I'm like 24. And I'm like, so there's a science behind this, right? I just thought my dad was like a tough, you know, Italian guy, right? Because he's yeah. like, what the heck? We're going to stop and eat. And then you're going to be trying to eat for the next two hours? That's hilarious. You know, so, um, and I laugh about these stories, right? But what I realized is I'm like, it's kind of like for me, it was like the karate kid because, you know, my dad was really hard. I remember we were doing a job, a historical project, right? My dad was a little bit of a short tempered kind of put up with no BS and this engineer drove him crazy. Now we're doing a job in Quincy, Massachusetts, right? A two mile historic stone wall and all this other work. Right. 
And the engineer shows up. My dad goes, I can't handle this guy. He's like, you talk to him and leaves. I'm like, what? I'm like 15. Like, I'm like, what the heck do I like? He gives me, I got the blueprints. We're laying out all these different caps that we're going to like cut out and redo. And, you know, I got the, this precast plant manager there and all this stuff. He's like, you'll figure it out. He's oh like, oh my God. And, 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 you know, I laugh. Right. But what he did was there was always this, there was a true safety net. Right. Cause it was like, mm-hmm. he was gone, but at the end of the day, he's back and he's talking to the engineer or whatever. Sure. And so it really made a lot of the things that I did later in life feel like, like I never worked as hard as I did with my dad. Like, mm. you know, the, the not eating thing, like that was like, my dad would do this thing. Right. I was, I remember we did a lot of chimneys. Right. And he would do this thing where like, we wouldn't really speak about it, but like there'd be a moment where you're building the chimney and you're like halfway up. Right. And it's like four 30 and there's maybe like six hours left. And I'm like, are we going to finish today? or tomorrow. And right. by like five thirty, six o'clock, we had these lights, halogen lights, and I'd see him start <laughs> pulling out the lights. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to keep going. Like, Don't even need to ask. I guess, I guess nope. it's tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I just wonder, I wonder if early exposure to, I mean, it's, I'm going to say this and I'm aware it sounds like I'm promoting child labor. <laughs> I'm not, but I wonder if exposing children to manual labor or at some level at an early age in terms of development is a really lost thing that is um, that historically if you go back and look at really the course of humanity in general kids worked they manual labor it was necessary hell half the reason people had kids was to be able to have extra hands right. out on the land or whatever it is, or they would have chores, go feed the chickens, go do this thing. And it's something that very, I think, recently uh, in human history has been removed. It's actually, yeah. I think, a new experiment we're doing right now with kids, which is not making them do those things. Like right. that's relatively new. Um, and I wonder, you know, I just, well, just look at the three of us on here. You know, uh, I was mowing the lawn when I was mm. uh, a kid. You know, my first like job job was 14 sacking groceries at a, at a grocery store. Um, you know, I helped help my dad build rock walls and, you know, um, I, I just splitting wood, you know, doing all of that stuff growing up in Kansas. Or, you know, you go out and you, you see your grandpa and and he's like, you know, come out to the garage and grab a tool. You know, it's like it was just the way it was. Um, yeah. And I just wonder, like, especially listening to you, Matt, uh, you know, saying at 18 years old that you want to uh, go off and take a stab at this at your own. I mean, I think I was still trying to figure out how to get laid at 18, <laughs> let alone try to make money. You know what I mean? I was just like. Well, let's enroll at college and let's go chase girls around and maybe get a degree. I don't know. You know it's like <laughs> I never really thought about it, but with saying that, you know, I guess in my defense, it wasn't more than being all of a sudden turning 20 that all of a sudden I was thinking about how do I make some money here? Right. You know, like how, how entrepreneurially can I make some money? Um, so I wasn't that far behind you. And I just wonder um, if you having to do that with your dad and halogen lights coming out as a kid and, working late and <laughs> intermittent fasting, accidental, <laughs> accidental science. Um, if it didn't play a role into all of that, um, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just a, you know, it's just listening to you. And I'm like, we hear this all the time. We heard it with, uh, 
Oh, Shane, help me. I can't think of the, the young e, uh, e-commerce Adrian? guy. Um, oh, Adrian. Zach. Zach. No, no, Zach. no, Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the same thing. His dad was doing that when he was a kid. And now he yep. has like a multi-million e-commerce business. And yep. he's like, how old 21, is he? Like 20, 22. Yeah, 21? he's, he's super yeah. young. He's been doing it since he was 18 or 17. And yeah, he's, yeah. But he's a multi-millionaire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was doing it with his dad. Right. At a very yeah. early age, I just I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. That's something I'll take a deep dive on. <laughs> well, you, can, look, you later. can see the history <laughs> of these generations. I mean, Matt talks about his great grandparents and then his grandparents, and you see the the work ethic. And, and you know, I have an opinion about all that too, as far as getting all the way to where you know our kids' generation is, um, the way they perceive the world and what's fair versus unfair and. Um, I mean, I have them up there doing chores right now. And it was this, you know, tug and pull. They have two guinea pigs and, and their way of paying for the food and the hay and the, all the stuff these, these things need is by doing extra work around the house. And it's kind of like a barter and trade system where I don't actually hand them money and then they give it back to me to go buy stuff. It's clean the toilets, clean the sinks, vacuum, you know, all the stuff that honestly, I don't want to do. So I just hand it off to them. And, and, you know, they labor. Even, Slave labor. Well, yeah, it is yeah, in yeah. a way, but yeah. you know what? There's, I've given them, them a little. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I created. Yeah, so they're up there doing it right now. And this, it was, you know, and I actually, I got really busy the last couple of weeks, and and on Mondays they're actually not in school right now. They're this asynchronous thing. So when my wife's off at work, they're still here with me, kind of doing a few hours of school, and then they're supposed to doing their chores. That's when they do that some of that stuff. And I've been so busy, I've forgotten to kind of push and. They have responsibility on their own to know they're supposed to do that, but they, they haven't. And it's showing up. I'm like, I'm realizing they're actually doing a pretty good job because I'm looking at the sinks and toilets and I'm like, Jesus, this place is disgusting right now. So I told them, get on it, you know, let's get this done. And it was like, oh, it's Sunday. I don't understand. I said, no, 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 reverse your attitude right now, or I will go find a home for the guinea pigs. And both of them are like, you know. But, you know, and I hear it. It's, it's the same thing. My friends don't have to do these things. My, I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I don't give a crap about your friends. And we'll see what happens to your friends at 18, 20, 22. We'll just see what's going to happen with some of those kids. Because I, I know with all the things that you're able to do that I don't consider the same kind of work, like these kids getting on YouTube and becoming famous and, and making money and you know, all, all these things that we didn't have as kids that were available. They see that as, as the fast way to make money. Um, and it's not the guys that are successful, even doing that, it's still hard work. You still got to put a lot of hours in. you're still doing it. You're still working till 11 or midnight. You know, the lights in theory come out for them too, to get that done if they're going to be successful. And so long story short and them understanding those things is, is, is my way of saying you're doing the stuff now. So you don't have to do it later. And you have the mentality as it's, I think it's been shown that if you have that stuff early on, you're able to make those choices and push yourself and be self-motivated later, you know, and I think that's what happens. And I think there's going to be a big shift in generation. Like Evan was saying, this next generation's I think going to struggle a little bit with some of this stuff. It's going to be weird. We'll see, but I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think it's paving the way for people who want to work hard. I mean, it's just like, you know, like I think of LA, the carpool lane, right. And I, there's like all the traffic in this. I think of when I'm driving, right. I think of that as like the people that are one, because I had the same realization. <clears throat> I have friends that are, you know, YouTube stars or actors or mm -hmm. white, like all the, you know, cause I grew up mainly around construction people. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I saw my friend's dad, 
uh, doing this presentation. This was years and years and years ago, right? But he's up till midnight, one o'clock doing this PowerPoint. He's going through it. And then he's up at 4 a.m. to fly out. And I'm like, wow, like yep. white collar works just as hard as blue collar in, in certain respects, right? And it's it's yep. just hard work in general. And I think that, you know, it's the metaphorical fast lane. Like I'm finding it, you know, that that people that are willing to work hard and that are younger, it's like, it's just such a distinguished, you know, it, it really, really is a standout factor that, like is, is like you say that even YouTube, like I have a YouTube, I mean, he's three, four five hours a day. He meets with his business team. He's going over mm-hmm. analytics. He's testing headlines. And it's like, these kids think, you know, they're like, they look at that and they're like, Oh, he's just holding the camera. I'm like the, yeah. the amount of background and marketing and, and understanding that goes into that is crazy. Oh, a hundred percent. Mr. Beast yeah. do that. It's the same thing. You know, yeah. it, he started it in high school and his whole goal was, you know, where am I going to be in five years? And, and, you know, these kids see that and it's like, well, he's just sitting in front of the camera. He's just he's just finding people to give him money to give away Ferraris and whatever else he's doing. This is easy work. And it's like you see the background behind what's going on. I've showed him that stuff because, oh, Mr. Beast and whatever. Look what this guy's doing. He's yeah. never sleeping, literally never sleeping. That's no. what he wanted to do, though. He's, that was he made a choice and that's fine. That's great. But it's not easy. If you want to be there, you it know, won't Matt, be. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point. I think there is a, a, a fast lane that is inadvertently being created mm-hmm. where if you're shrinking, if, okay, let me back up. If the norm historically has been young kids get to work early, right? And what we're doing now is relatively new, a, a new concept, which is <clears throat> let them be kids, not adults, right? Mm-hmm. And then let them you know, enjoy childhood, and then they can dive into adulthood when they become older. <clears throat> it does create an opportunity for people who want to work hard. I think it's like, hey, man, you're going to have a real competitive edge, mm-hmm. right? Because that is not the normal, right? So if you can kind of, you know, it was always like, do you want to work hard or do you want to work smart? And I've always thought the answer was, well, you got to work, probably got to work hard at working smart, Right. Like right. that's probably the that's probably the right answer. Right. With hard work in there, independent of itself and smart work in there that's independent of hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's probably working hard or working smart. But you're mm-hmm. right. I think it really does create. It's actually I'm going to probably talk to my kids about that today. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to find a way to sneak it in. Like, listen, you have a real competitive advantage if you just learn how to do this, which in learning how to do this is just learning that working hard in general, is a part of the equation, right? That once you figure out how to work smart, if you implement the hard part, right, then you're going to give yourself a real advantage because it is a smaller pool of people working hard, right? And Mm -hmm. so some, not everything is won this way, but sometimes the guy or the gal that just doesn't quit is a percentage the winner, right? And, and you can look at that, whether you want to look at like a metaphor in sports or whatever it is, that sometimes the, the, you know, the one that's a little less athletic or the one with a little less skill set, but there's just somebody sometimes that just outworks everybody. And that person, um, not always, but just, be, just because of that attribute uh, can, can win. And I think, uh, you know, I was kind of on the negative side of this conversation when we first started, I'm like, these kids are going to turn out to be nothing, man. They're all yeah. going to be attempting to be YouTube stars. And well, but I'm like, you know what? You said it really creates a, a fast lane for someone who does want to work hard. And it's mm-hmm. a really good point. Um, and the, it's just the like, other if thing, you can just instill that. 
Yeah, and the other thing people don't talk about enough, in my opinion, is there's a lot of stressed out adults that had really <laughs> oh, fun yeah. childhoods. Yeah. I grew up with a lot of those people, right? Like they had, you know, they're like, ah, you know, their parents. And I'm not saying it's never, you know, it's, it's, it's the middle path, right? It's never yeah. one extreme or the other. It's a great, right. you gave the example of the, you know, the hardship of getting to school. It's never like, you know, the easiest or the hardest, but I think the conversation needs to be more balanced, right? It's like, I have a lot of friends that I grew up with that had great childhoods, right? Like mm-hmm. the fun, the sports, not worried about nothing. They go to college, they come out and they're like, well, they're stressed. You know, yep. they're like, how do I make money? I can't pay my bills. What am I going to do about this? I don't know about that. What do, like, I, and it's like, there's a, there, there's also, you know, an like the investment made early and made right does mm-hmm. yield fruit later in life. And so I just think like the conversation, what we're having here is it should be opened up to, well, what's the, opposite end of this spectrum right sure no, we've seen the you know we've seen my great grandfathers we've seen the older generations work really really hard and you know and what that does but what about you know the stressed adults where you're you just have you know the the like you said uh shane you were saying about the guinea pigs it's like well that's how the economy works mm-hmm. right it's a skills-based economy there's no favoritism right or, right. or there is, but it's not primary right, right. It's, it's, it's secondary right you know who you know and, and networks are important but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's can you give me a good or service that yields a result and am i willing to pay for that right, right. that's fundamental of, of you know baseline economics and so you know the other end of the spectrum is if you don't have these tools you know what, what does it look like in your adulthood i had friends that you know, four O's graduated in school, had amazing childhoods. And then they come out in the, re- the real world, parenthetical. And it's like, they're just fall flat. Yeah. Down, you know? Yeah. They don't have the skill set that you learned at nine years old and moving mm-hmm. on up to just literally figure out life. And, and your, your stress level changes as you get older, as you grow and continue to build things. Um, but theirs didn't start until they were out of college. And all of a sudden, like it literally smacked them in the face where you had a gradual kind of push towards that. Their, their experience is, holy shit, now what do I do? Like, th- I didn't think this is how it was going to go when I walked out the door with my cap on and I've got all these great grades and so everyone's going to love me. And it's like, no, that doesn't work that way. And you have to figure it out now. But it's at an older age, you, get, you panic more as you're an adult. At 9 or 10 or 11, 12, you don't care. You just know, I got to do this and you figure it out. It's different. It's 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 a... I don't know. I, you're right. It, there's a balance there for sure. You don't want to have kids completely lose themselves no. in, in something and miss their child. It's so important to be a kid. I mean, yes. creativity. And, and I even tell my kids when they're like, I'm bored. It's like, good. Then figure out something to do. Right. You, boredom cre- spawns creativity. And so in getting to, you know, later points in life, they'll learn how to, you know, just literally be creative and, and do whatever they want, figure things out. Um, but they got to be kids too. They got to be kids. And, and and the same goes for us as we get older and Evan and I know we got to work, but we don't want to like give up everything to never see our family. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to make these, these choices that are sometimes very difficult because that could mean for me or Evan, it could mean a lot of money lost the table, but is that going to come around again? You know, if we keep doing what we're doing, sure. It, it probably will, but I want to be with my kids. I want to take them to Disney world. I want to go play soccer, whatever it is. And, and, it gets, it gets more difficult the older you get for sure. So it's balance is important. It's really hard to figure out. Well, and it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for a kid to like, you don't have to put them to work eight hours a day. Right. Exactly. But you, what you need to do is dull their senses to hard work, mm-hmm. right? You need to just give it enough. So they're not afraid of it, that they're exactly. not fearful of it. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not like, you know, like, listen, if, 
I know kids that are 14, 15, 16 years old. And if you gave them a rake, the first thing you'd have to do is show them how to hold it. <laughs> like, how do I hold it? Right. Like, dude, have you never like, or a broom? Yep. And you know, they're like, I'm like, what are you doing? Have you never held a broom before? And it's like, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do with this. Or, or the first time all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, actually this did happen where it was like, uh, we're, you know, we're doing our backyard, uh, Shane. And it's a, I have a big backyard mat and kind of like a live and flip thing. And it's like a third of an acre all fenced in kind of thing. <clears throat> and it's just dirt. And it was like, we're trying to spread out all of the, uh, new topsoil. And it was like, everybody take a rake. Right. And within like minutes, it was like, dad, something's going on with my hands. And I'm like, something's going on with your hands. Like, yeah, something's going on with my hands. They're like looking down at it. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a blister. Let me get you some gloves. No, something's wrong. It's like, no, it's just a blister. Like, let me get you. You just want them to have enough experience young. Be like, oh, you know, hard work don't be scared of being exhausted a little bit. Mm -hmm. Don't be like there. It's almost like the workout high, right? Like you, you go, you work out real hard and you go back and you almost have this euphoric, you know, rush of endorphins as you're finally relaxing after a hard workout. It's like that hard work is not enjoyable specifically at the time, but the going home afterwards, getting in the shower, getting dressed, like you kind of have this euphoric feeling mm -hmm. after hard work. And, and it probably has some sort of natural, uh, environmental or evolutionary quality where it's like there is some sort of endorphin rush that happens to try to keep humanity creating building or whatever. Yep. It's really what makes us as an animal a little bit different than everything else. But yeah, I think, I think you just can't be scared of it at that, you know, at that age, just like introduce just enough hard work that they're like, I've done it before, mm -hmm. you know, like been there, done it, got the t-shirt, you know, I, I won't die out here. My hands aren't falling <laughs> off. You know what I mean? It's just a blister. It'll all grow calluses or so my dad says, you know, like, <laughs> I think that's to me, that's really where I see it. Because, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, a couple times a week working hard for a couple hours, plenty of time to still be a kid. That's you right. know, you just like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yep. It's not like let them be kids and, you know, they'll have, they'll work they have to work so hard later in life. They don't need to do it now. It's like, no, that's not really what, you know, I, I, yeah. I don't know, but you know what? Keep it a secret. We'll make our kids work hard <laughs> intermittently and they'll have a pathway, man. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and Matt also brought up a point about a, a skill, skill-based kind of economy, you know, yeah. and because of the direction that we're going, like this kind of new experiment with young, young people, it, nobody knows how to do anything anymore. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask Matt too. Yeah, comparatively yeah. to like, you know, maybe even 80 years ago, you know, it, if you wanted a shed built, let's call it even 60 years ago, your dad probably knew how to build the shed, mm -hmm. you know, or or at least knew enough that him and a buddy could, could get one built. Now you 100%, right. there is a shed company that you pay <laughs> and they come out, it's tough shed and they build it for you and you just don't do it. And you finance it on a credit card. Yep. Right. So really for, uh, for somebody that wants to learn skills who has hard work, right. Uh, and then who can be smart and find the space where you can provide that competitive service or mm. fill a gap where no one is. It's a real advantage because, you know, nobody knows how to do anything anymore. I was just thinking, I was going through your website, Matt, and it's like, uh, I have a lot of hardscaping that I need to get done here at this house. And now 
I know enough that I'm going to take a crack at it myself. Right. But I'm, I'm a super rarity. If I think of like, if I expand beyond the rest of my friends outside of Shay, yeah. right. It's like, no, well, they 100% pay Matt to oh, come yeah. in here and do their driveway and walkways and all the retaining walls and all the brick work that they want done, you know? And it's like, Oh man. Yeah. So for Matt, who's willing to do that, you know, and, for those people who are not, but had a great childhood, you know, they, uh, it's benefit Matt. Yeah. Um, totally. Anyways. Well, and Matt, Matt, you're out in Los Angeles. I mean, you're, you've got probably a, I would say even a greater demographic of people that are, are unwilling to even try any of that stuff. I mean, even out here, it's pretty, we have a lot of people from California that moved out here. Um, and it's, it's a different breed for sure. Yeah. Uh, the people, yeah, things are making our home prices go way up. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's, money. <laughs> there's the good yeah. and bad of all of that for sure. But yeah. but um, I, I can see how, you know, Evan made a point. There's there's people are just calling for any little thing they want. And sometimes they'll call me for the littlest stuff. I'm like, I, I'm a home builder. I don't I don't that's not what I do. I can recommend somebody to you. But but have you just I mean, I've even put them on the YouTube channel. Like, have you just go watch this video? I, I bet in an hour you could figure that out. I've literally told people that on the phone. Like, I feel bad having them spend any money for little things like that because it doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, you're right, Evan. The skills of people has diminished, especially in the trading industries. And I can't find anybody out here. Like, out here in Colorado, there is a massive shortage of skilled labor. I mean, Everywhere. massive shortage. Everywhere. All across the country. I'm sure California is just probably even worse than us, but it's it's really scary. I literally had somebody a couple of years ago I hired, and he was, I mean, he wasn't exactly young, young. He's 25, 26, getting into the building industry. He came from some other work that he was doing. I can't remember what it was. And I had him start the day, and he's basically gonna follow us around and we're we're framing a basement, just kind of cleaning up. I like to keep my job site tidy, but especially in small spaces. He's watching, I'm showing him stuff, but he's literally following us around with a shop back. And I sent him over in the corner where we had been cutting for a while. We're moving our cut station. I said, just get all that cleaned up, grab the broom, grab the shop back and move this direction. And I, I literally was probably working 10 or 15 minutes. I look over there and he's still kind of like jostling around the shop. And God, is this kid this lazy that he doesn't even want to like, I'm like, you're moving so slowly. I can't even have you on the job site today. And I walked over to him. I said, hey, man, what's going on? I need this done. I need you over here by now. And he's like, I don't know how to turn this on. Mm. You don't know how to turn what on? The shop back? And I just pushed the button. And he goes, oh, that's what. And then he puts his hands over his ears. And it's Latin. And I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, time out. Get the, get the broom. Get the dustpan. Let's get this all in piles. And mm-hmm. he had, and it's, it was like sucking up. I could, it was just like, he's never touched one of these before and to me that was mind-boggling and thinking if this is the best i could have found right now we are in so much trouble and i'm sure you've experienced that out there yeah the shortage of skill i'll I'll say this is real fast it's um you know you're right you could youtube just about anything so if you're calling somebody to, to set a toilet Hey man, it's really not that difficult. Right. Just like YouTube. It just don't be scared of it. Right. right. Like, but I will say this, and I, and I say this on the consulting side of, uh, on like corporations and businesses and talking about like employee development and stuff. It's, you, you'll hear this a lot. 
a lot of times for mid-level managers who are frustrated with their, you know, their subordinate, if you will. And I'll say, listen, they're not going to be like you and you don't want them to be right. necessarily, right? Because if everyone was as good as you, right, then you are no longer better, right? And it's like, and, and not everyone can be that way. So in a weird way, if you think about like this industry, it's kind of like, you, you got to almost have the mindset of saying, hey, man, why are you calling me for these things? Learn it yourself. And on the other end of that coin is maybe me and you're like, no, man, that's why they're calling you. You know, it's like it's OK, because if they all know how to do it, your business will go under. You would rather have, you know, in terms of now, this is the entrepreneurial part of the industry. It is a benefit, right? You don't want everyone to know how to build their own you know, uh, pour their own driveway necessarily, because then you wouldn't have entrepreneurially the opportunity to have a concrete company, you know? So there is a, uh, it is a weird, you know, like our, on the first part of this conversation, we're kind of saying like, you know, we'll have this death of the skills and then it's like, well then actually, but then there's the birth of the skills opportunity. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Where, so yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. you got to really kind of balance those like, part of it is a frustration that people don't do it anymore. But then the other side of it's kind of like, well, yeah, but that's what gives you such a unique opportunity to build a small little empire, right? Because no one knows how to do anything. So it's kind of like, I want them to do that for humanity, but entrepreneurially, entrepreneurially, I don't want any of them to learn how to do it. Right. So that way it gives me the opportunity for the service. Yep. I I talk about that's true, Matt. Yeah, I talk about this in the book, right? So, you know, in my book, I, I call it the, we've entered a new age. It's a DIY versus HIY. So years ago, it used to be do it yourself, right? Uh-huh. And then HIY is hire it yourself. Yeah. Hire so, it yourself. I was yeah. like, that's the age. I love yeah. it. So, love you know, I cover that in the book and, and the premises is now, you know, and, and I got a lot of good feedback from people, you know, kind of the other end of the spectrum. There's a lot of people where they're like, yeah, I could learn to do these things but I could also hire somebody so easy and I value my time. I watch my dad or my mom do things that they didn't enjoy doing because yep. they had to do it for financial reasons. That's right. And I don't have that issue anymore. Right? I'm, right. I'm saying me as in, you know, the other end of this spectrum. And so in, in really building out my book, you know, how to find vet hire and manage contractors. Um, essentially I realized, you know, it's just, it's this new age of, you know, it's so easy. Think about all the things we hire and, and, and mm. you can do so easy. I mean, there's, you know, Uber, there's TaskRabbit there. I mean, literally any task you want, you want someone to go and organize your closet. It's four clicks on your phone and it's done. People so, will grab groceries for you now. You exactly. Uh, t- TaskRabbit? Yeah. You're writing that down. Why am I never, why am I never write down yeah. TaskRabbit? Yeah. I've never heard of TaskRabbit. Yeah. Um, When's, uh, is your, is your book finished? I got probably three more weeks. We're doing some graphics. Finally, three more weeks. Okay, yeah. awesome. Okay, okay, very cool. Uh, we'll make sure at the end of this week we'll 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 plug it. Um, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll yeah. probably talk about it. And what made you want to start writing a book? So did you just wake what, up one morning and say, yeah. "I need to write a book"? <laughs> here's what happened. Right, I was uh, you know, I've always been upset. Like my my experience in construction, nine years old, I was working with guys in their sixties. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going back 20 years. These guys are 80, 90 years old now. Right. So I had this really weird experience where I had, you know, the older, older guys. Then I had, you know, the baby boomers. And then I had like the young. So I've worked around so many different people. Yeah. And so I've seen the industry shift. Right. I saw a big shift in 2008, 2009, when a lot of good contractors were like, 
I'm good. I'm done. I'm 55. I'm done. Packing <laughs> up. We're going to Arizona. Yep. Buddy, pack it up. We're good. The kids are Golf off the, the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's been all these shifts that are happening and I kind of became obsessed with what was the difference between, right? Like some of the best childhood memories going back to being a kid I had were working with my dad with homeowners. Right. And like, I remember holding the baby, right. Family, my dad's there, we're poured concrete. I'm holding the baby. And the dad is pushing the kids' hands in the concrete. It was like, we're eating awesome. dinner with them. I'm playing basketball with their kids, right? And I'm like, you take that childhood experience, right? Where it was like the excitement and the fun of hiring a contractor. And like, you know, it, the quotes were done on Sundays. And my dad would be like, you know, bring Gatorades for the family. And be like, it was just different, right? Yeah. And then you fast forward to now where I was going over my annual report for my business. And we categorize our jobs. And it was upwards of 30% of my revenue was jobs that were done three months or less old being redone mm. or in litigation. Really interesting. And I'm huh. going, what happened where there's so much tension? The good contractors are worried about getting scammed by the bad homeowners. The bad contractors are scamming the good homeowner. I'm like, like, and I'm thinking back to a kid and you know, like my dad being like, we're going to take the flowers that we're pulling out of this garden here and we'll bring them to Mrs. Jones because you know, we're, we won't get rid of them. So I'm potting <laughs> them up and like, and I'm like, where did this go? So right. I kind of became obsessed with like, what, you know, what is the issue? And I, I kind of identified, in my opinion, what I think it is, which is there's a lot of external factors. But I think at the end of the day, the solution is to educate both contractors, you know, take good contractors who, I mean, I'm here in Los Angeles, right? Mm. I got a graphic, uh, excuse me, not a graphics, uh, landscape designer. Guy's been doing it 40 years, no website, can't find them. Amazing, <laughs> right? So you still have a lot of good people who can ride the wave of word of mouth, but no consumers right. can find them. And then on the homeowner side, so the goal is this, educate contractors on how to be more uh, known, how to be more uh, outward client facing, right? Get away from the word of mouth stuff. I mean, I, I sat with my dad at the pizza shop with Yellow Pages. That was literally it. They're like, <laughs> yeah. I remember those days where I would sit with my dad, I'm, I'm next to him and they're going, how's business, Mr. Ibarra? My dad's uh, senior, I'm junior, Matt. And they're, he's like, ah, oh, pretty good. He's like, I think a half page ad will really, you know, boost things for you. Was, like, <laughs> it was like, if we were busy, we did a quarter page. And if we were real slow, we did a full page. Like that yeah. was literally the marketing conversation. That's so, hilarious. You know, and, and these are real things that I remember. And so I'm, I'm looking at the shift of yellow pages to the internet, to websites. Mm -hmm. to you, and I, I really realized was that if I could educate the consumers, you know, that would help. And I identified a system, right? There's four parts. You got to find contractors, vet them hire them, which is sign the contract and manage them. So, mm -hmm. I feel, you know, I just, I just started studying and I'm like, what, uh, you know, what is this issue? And to, to your point, you asked about the book, the book started off really selfish. I was so sick and tired of telling clients how to find contractors, how to handle <laughs> litigation. I'm like, these are like hour and a half conversations. So oh, yeah. my typical appointments, like 30 minutes and I'm spending two hours Yep. and I'm like, this is horrible. So I'm like, I'm going to write a book to just, it'll literally be like, just to build my brand. It was really selfish. It was just like, sure. I want to be like, you got screwed by a contractor. Here you go. Call me after you read it. Right. That was <laughs> how it started. And then it just kind of evolved into this much bigger mission of, well, you know, how can I address this nationally with, because what drives me crazy, and this is a personal thing is there's so much talk about like, you know, I hear the commercials where it's like the grocery store and it's like, we got apples on sale or drive across the street and save three cents on gas. And then you got people hiring the wrong contractors and losing tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah man. That's right. We, Shane and I talk about this 
all the time. All the time. As a matter of fact, I think like podcast number three or something, this was literally the discussion about how you have all these skilled tradesmen um, that are retiring. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and once they disappeared, like exponentially, the skill pool like diminished. I mean, it was just because there was no one there in between. And what ended up happening was a consolidation of services and businesses. Like you buy your fence at Home Depot. Home Depot also has contractors to install it now. Yep. You know, you get your garage door at Lowe's, that, and then they can come. Same with the carpet installers, or you get like talk about Angie's List. What ends up happening is those things become how contractors are hired. And if right. you're not a part of that network, which really isn't great for contractors, you know, like we have a friend no. Sleepy who d- decided to do fences for Home Depot and it's like, there's no money in it. L- Lowe's. Lowe's. Right? Or Lowe's. Lowe's. That's what it yeah. was. Lowe's. It was a big difference. Kind of like, yeah. And it was like, there was no money in it, but that was the only way to get work because that was the only way work was being hired out. And it was like, and he's well, running around like a madman. Yeah. Madman, not making hardly any money, trying mm-hmm. to install fences for Lowe's. And it's like, where is uh, the landscape architect like your buddy? Like, mm-hmm. and, and then the thing is, when you find that person, you know, word of mouth is good because I think homeowners will respond to a good experience like that. Like, oh, my God, no, I want to help this guy. He was great to work with. He potted my plants. <laughs> like when he pulled them out, like who does that shit? Right. Right. And, but you're right. It's uh, and this was a part of our, the conversation Shane and I were having Matt, where it was kind of like the skilled tradesmen like that need business education. Right. In 2021, it's like, there's this, Oh man, I just love, you know, I just love lame bricks. And it's like, <laughs> Okay, I understand that, man, but no one can find you anymore. You're yeah. not the neighborhood mason, you know? That's like, that's, that's kind of dead, right? So the people that are in the skilled trades who love doing that kind of work, you know, they're just not really got that business side of the brain, you know? Um, the one that just says, listen, I'm, you know, mixing the right mortar is a craft Okay, no one's hiring you because nobody knows who the fuck you are, right? right. You know, it's like right. so. I love that you can make mixed mortar, wow! But nobody can find you. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It's a. Uh, I think it's a great. I uh, I'm excited that you're actually writing the book. I hope that people. Yeah. I just I don't know. People always think like hiring a contractor is the thing that just oh we don't need to do it, but. Everybody I know at some point has hired a contractor. Yep. It is a part of home ownership at some level. You're just, it's, it's, uh, you know, you're, you know, your sink backs up and it's like, I think rotor rooter, yeah. you know, you're like, Ugh. Oh no, man, why don't you actually get a plumber out here yeah. <laughs> you know, to find out what's going on. Um, there's going to come out and drain it real quick and charge a 80, 85 bucks. And, that may not be the problem. I don't know. I, I'm glad you're writing that book, man. How long have you been working on it? I've been doing it for about three and a half months. And it really, okay. you know, one of the big things I realized was in doing this, you know, the numbers, I think, <laughs> you know, educating homeowners. So the most expensive purchase the average American makes is the purchase of their home. Yep. The second most expensive purchase over the next 20 years, average American is what? Remodeling their own home. Maintenance and remodeling <laughs> of their home. So- yeah. You I was going to say automobile, but that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, we, we need, you can now compare when you buy a home 
to when you hire a contractor, right? You buy a home, you got your real estate agent, you got your escrow, you got your mortgage lending office, you got a home inspector. You have this whole team, right? And there, and then you buy the home with like, here's your keys. And yep. you're on Yelp, try to find out how to buy a new roof. Like you <laughs> and the roofing guy who sold 20 roofs this week knows the industry in and out. And you're sitting there going, oh, okay. Oh, it needs to be replaced uh-huh. with no understanding. It's like, like how are more people not addressing, you know, this, this huge, huge issue in America? That's right. Yeah, well, it's, it a, makes it's a big me difference. Wonder, sorry, Shane. It makes me wonder. Shane and I were just having this conversation with doctors. Yes, um, yes. It's like there's not a family doctor anymore. It's right. kind of like, you know what I mean? There wasn't some guy that just comes over and, you know, uh, one of Shane's good buddies, who's a friend of mine too, is my doctor now. And um, and he's a naturopathic doctor, went to school. I always have to say this in his defense. Yeah. <laughs> went to medical school. Right? He's not in some woohoo witchcraft, right? He just Which is funny because the industry is, is, has made them the bad guy when it's in, in no, totally. reality. They are yeah. the first people yeah. to figure it out. And it's like, but what's great about him is, you know, he gets me on these therapeutics for having COVID. And he's like sending me a text. Like, hey, man, how are you feeling? What are your symptoms like today? What's happening? You know, it's like, ah like he's on my team you're right yep. when you buy this house there's this whole group of people and it makes you wonder if there's like a business opportunity just to say here's your team post-closing right and it's a you know you you in and on this team is an electrician a plumber you know um a carpenter and like you know whatever and it makes me wonder if there's actually a business opportunity after closing because you're right i've never thought of it until you just Oh, I've never even thought like that's a problem until you just mentioned it. It's so mm-hmm. spot on. It's like, here's your house, um, accountant. <laughs> you know, <and> it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it was happening in our house. Sadie was like, do you not hear that humming? It's driving me nuts. And there was like this humming noise. Cause Sadie's my wife, by the way, here's like this humming noise. Right. And if I wasn't here like to assess it and I just think of like Sadie being a single mom in a house or something, this would have driven her nuts for months. Yeah. And I'm like, and I finally track it down. I'm like, Oh, it's the doorbell, the actual doorbell (laughs) on the wall. I like take the cover off and tweak. And it's like the humming's gone. But for her, it would have been months of frustration, just Mm -hmm. losing her mind. You're right. It's such a weird thing to think about. Like you're right. There is a team of people, whole industry to get you into the house. And as soon as you're there, it's like yeah good luck yeah that's yeah. crazy to think about man that's like all of a sudden it's like melting my mind just a little bit like oh yeah that really isn't anything that's, for you that's how the undercover contractor started as i was helping people <clears throat> like friends family i mean i had a business man, like i'm doing you know i'm helping all these you know people in the entertainment industry you know mm-hmm. celebrities like they're like matt i got this guy here and he's telling me the plumbing's six grand like can you look at this invoice he's i can right. save 20 percent. i'm like hold on let me pull over like let me you know what i mean like <laughs> totally yeah. And, and it, it just, you know, it's, it's, and I think the first big step, right. Is to educate the consumer, the homeowner, like, it, you know, in marketing, I was taught, right. One of my mentors taught me, he said, if you're marketing something where like fitness and weight loss, right. Like everybody knows the problem. If you're overweight or unhealthy, he said, but you're stepping into a realm where they don't know the problem. He's like, right. they think when they go on Yelp and find that person and they're standing in front of them that they probably have their best interest in mind. He's like, yeah. it's a much steeper hill to climb. He's like, so be committed to this journey. He's like, cause you're identifying a problem and then offering a solution. So yep. <clears throat> it's yeah, no, I, I love it. I mean, it's a great idea. We've talked about this almost every podcast at some point and, and this industry is just so weird. I mean, Evan said this before 
is that you're you're if you've even been hired at this point during the project itself, let's just call it a remodel project. You have all these experts in the room. You've got the general contractor. You've got a master electrician. You've got a master plumber. All these people are, are working now to take care of what you want them to do. And the person making the decision, the ultimate decision every time is the least educated person in the room, which is the homeowner. They have mm -hmm. no idea what they're, I mean, some of them are more educated than those, but they don't, they're not the expert. They're not, it's like telling your doctor, doc, this is the way you're going to perform my ACL surgery. And he looks at yeah, you because like, I'm paying for because it. Because I'm paying so for it. I have a say in it. Yeah. yeah. And like, do you it's want so me to crazy. fix this or not? <laughs> so yeah. it's, well, look, wild. Yeah, I'm going to be the one stuck with the bill. So I'm going right. to tell you to actually do this orthoscopically. And I just learned <laughs> that word, by the way. It's like, dude, that just let them do their thing, man. Let them do their thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wonder, I'm just like, it's almost like you should have, you know, you, you, how you, how you have insurance. And so it's kind of like, after you buy the home, think about like what, and I know this happens. It happens with all three of us, probably you two more than me. Right. But it still happens with me. Um, we're just like you said, Matt, it's just like, Hey, this plumber told me it was 6,000 bucks. Does that sound right? Is that, sound? it's almost like that phone call probably is a business opportunity where you say, you know, for a hundred dollars a month, we are your home team, right. Or whatever it is, right. Where you call and you do this, we'll help you find the contractors. Maybe we have an opportunity where we have in-house contractors. We can do it for you, but by paying a small monthly fee, it gives you a phone call to make. It's like calling your landlord when you're a renter, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't have that call as a homeowner. You know, it's one of the benefits of renting. It's just like, you know, hey, it's making some noise and they send someone up and they'll find someone to go fix it. But that doesn't exist for a homeowner, you know, and it's almost like, man, how can you monetize the phone call that you're already getting all the damn time, which is your friend saying, is it really $10,000 for fence or does it really take eight weeks, Evan, to remodel my bathroom? You know, right. it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, well, yeah, maybe actually, you know, what are they doing to your bathroom? Um, just had that conversation with Sadie, you know, about yeah. remodeling her bathroom. And I said, probably six weeks. And she's like, six weeks. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's like, all right, listen, you got to demo it. Right. And then we're probably it's old. So we're probably gonna have to redo the subfloors. Right. We're going to have to move some plumbing around and some electrical. Right. Probably need to pull a permit for those, which means we got to wait for an inspection. And then we got to get the drywall up, right? So imagine they're all in there putting it up, right? And my wife's like, okay, okay. And then you got to mud it, right? Then you got to let the mud dry. And then they got to come back and sand it. And then they got to do it again. I'm like, so we're already at two and a half weeks. And she's like, oh, God, maybe it takes six weeks. But even <laughs> in my own house, it's happening, right? And mm. I don't know. I was just, just a thought, you know, uh, and it seems to be kind of in line with what you're writing your book about. And yeah. um, no better than someone who's actually doing research and actually writing a book about this to be somebody who says, listen, I have enough credibility uh, and experience and I got actual tangible um, evidence that I've put research into this, a book to where maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's something there. I'm just, I just all of a sudden listening to both you guys who are really in the trades like yeah, I know yeah. Shane, I know you get that phone call all the time. It's know? funny. Anyway. I get that phone call. I mean, I, I friends and family call me all the time for for all kinds of advice. <laughs> More often than not, mm -hmm. it's because they're trying to do it on their own. And then they're like, "Can you just come over for the afternoon and just kind of get me, you know, kind of It's fine. I'm I'm willing to help people. 
Uh, and there's a fine line, as you know, Matt, between, mm-hmm. you know, how that goes. If it's my mom, <laughs> of course, it's my dad, of course. <laughs> if it's my brother, mm, it depends. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, depends on how nice he's been. It depends yeah. on, yeah, I mean, you haven't talked to me yeah. in two months. So I, I see why you're calling me. It's, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, I, I, yeah, I, there's there's a lot of that. There's people saying, hey, I, you know, I've even, I turn on a lot of business now because I'm trying to pick and choose what I'm actually trying to go forward with. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a young man anymore. So it's gotta be, you know, where do we go from here? Kind of situation. But I do get a lot of that. I look at it a lot. I'm sometimes I'm like, God, what is it? What are you trying to do? And, um, I help as much as I can, but that's, it's one of those worlds where it's like, I don't know how much things cost. Does it really cost six grand? I mean, I'm just, they're calling you because they want to verify, is this even reasonable? Or is this guy trying to like rob me blind? And, and, and it's a hard business because of those things, especially with everything getting so much more expensive now and trying to understand what the economy is doing. Does the dollar really equate to that? Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's really difficult. It's mm. I'm willing to help people on that. End. And it's good that you're doing that. It's great that you're writing that book. It's certainly going to, it should be very successful for sure, because I think a lot of people are going to, they're, they're reaching for that information all <clears> the time anyway. Um, and it's, I, I, I applaud you for doing, that. I'd love to write a book, but it's not happening right now, but a lot of work. Um, lot I'm of sure work. it is. I'm sure it is. Well, so, you got to know how to. You got to know how to read, Shane, <laughs> before you write a book. I'm getting there. So, there, you can YouTube uh, stuff now. You can just read uh, it to me. as as as. So after your book gets done, are you going to kind of start the process of marketing it? Yeah. What, what are your ideas in marketing the book? How are you going to, how do you think you're going to go about that? We got all sorts of stuff. I got all kinds of partnerships. I got, you know, publicists, yeah. two publicists on board. I mean, we got, <laughs> we're looking at just crazy stuff. Cause you know, for me, this is fun. Like it, it's, it's really about bridging this gap and helping homeowners. And like, cause here's the thing. If I can educate homeowners on a, how to find vet, hire and manage contractors, the good contractors are going to get the work. Cause you'll right. see, You'll, you'll see through the scams. I mean, the yep. questions I teach them to ask, I got a North Star, I got the friend test. I got, you know, the 10 questions you should ask, like, you know, each bucket and what you need to know. Like at the end of the day, it's the, the first big step to really taking the people, you know, that, that are scam artists and are not, you know, doing this with, with intent and passion, like, you know, me and you, Shane, and, you know, mm. and, and really just really, you know, it's not fair that us as contractors, we can sift through and see all this stuff. Right. Right. My end goal is I just want to give them a light to shine through and be like, all right, is this person legitimate? Right. So they don't have to make that phone call, Shane, you know, they don't, you know, client called me up and was like, is this really a hundred grand? I'm like, hundred grand's cheap. She's like, okay, I'll hire him. You know what I mean? But like, why was that? Why was that? Why was that not established? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. (laughs) Why do I need? No, no, no. That's, that's too cheap. That's too cheap. Don't, don't just hire. Only a hundred? Yeah. 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 I was like, that's going to be more. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, no, that's a good deal. I was like, it's fair. That's a, you know, it's like a good sale. It's not the sale you're sketchy. It's not surf and turf for $2. I was like, it's like, you know, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like gas station sushi. Yeah. Yeah. I can get sushi for like, like two bucks where it's 7-eleven bro no yeah. don't do that exactly don't yeah. do that it's literally gonna kill you you're gonna yeah. talk you're gonna call dr matt after this trust me <laughs> crazy but yeah, yeah yeah that is crazy so once you get down with your book you're gonna start marketing it i mean obviously you have still your company that mm-hmm. you're that you're running behind it as well yeah. um talk to us about the company a little bit and while you're writing the book how did you balance some of that stuff um because i think it's we hear it all the time with young entrepreneurs and Shane and I preach 
like to death. I think sometimes our listeners like we got it, but like this, this understanding that time is an actual commodity that's also a variable in your success. Like, you know, you only have so many hours. So what hours are you spending on what is such a critical, I think, uh, part of the equation in terms of building exponential wealth. Not, mm. You know what I mean? Like if, if people always say like, how do I get, I'm like, I'm reaching a plateau. And it's like, it's probably your hours. There's no more hours in the day. So you can't even spend time on the new idea because you got, you know, the halogen light up to finish the, you know, the, the, uh, the at nine o'clock at night, you know, you're out of hours. So that's why you're unable to, it, it, you know, so how did you balance that between your work, writing the book, and then some, maybe talk about some of the other things that you're even right. doing. Cause I bet you it's not just the business and it's not just the book is going to be my, my, my guess. Yeah. I mean, I try, you know, a lot of things, right. I, I'm very health conscious, right. Like I'm really, really, I've, you know, a few doctors, I have any, like a oh, you health started intermittent fasting at yeah. nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. it's worked. You know, it works. Uh, I stuck with that, you know, rule number one, don't stop what works. Um, uh, you know, big on health, you know, it, it requires energy and focus, right. So I studied, you know, you know, people who are at the top of their fields. I look at athletes, right? I looked at, top <laughs> I looked at people that were high performers and, you know, none of them did it, you know, with, they all really had health and, and mind, mindfulness as a key tenant. So I get up every day about two 33 in the morning. Um, that's my typical morning. I've got a 45 minute to an hour routine, uh, you know, three days a week I train, I go to the chiropractor, like I'm very <laughs> health focused. I'm very careful with what I eat. Um, so that was really, cause that gave me, there's, there's time, right. And then there's, there's productivity or efficiency within that time. So like yep. not all hours are created equal. And I've noticed that when I'm focused and I'm doing the right tasks in the right mindset. So for example, when I write the book or things that require a lot of focus, I'll do those from four in the morning to like six 37 at night, or excuse me, uh, uh in the morning. In the morning. And I find that that <laughs> two hour window, I'm three or four times as productive. So it's about understanding what mindset I need to be in, um, you know, relative to the amount of work. So I'm looking at productivity within the hour, not just the, the, the time itself. Um, I love what I do um, is another thing. Yeah, that um, helps. You know, I'm super, super passionate about it. I got a lot of energy. I think I'm clear on where I'm going. I think that's important, right? If you're, if you're doing this, you know, and you're not sure and you're like, I'm kind of here, but I'm kind of there. It's like, I'm doing this. Yeah. Like I'm, and that's what, you know, Just I get up, I it. set the alarm. Yeah. I set the alarm and I'm like 3am. I know what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know why I'm doing it. So, um, and I do that <laughs> seven days a week. I was up at three o'clock this morning, Sunday morning, 3am, you know, up cold plunge, you know, stretching meditation, you know, green juice. Like I just like, that's my thing. And it works for me. I mean, people have different things, but I find if I can hold a routine, go to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock, I get my six hours. Um, I mean, that's really my biggest hack, honestly, like, uh, cause energy was fluctuating before that. And yeah. then it was just allocation of time and doing things I love and getting clear on, you know, what is my direction? <laughs> what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. I think it's key that the, the thing you touched on. And I think for most people, especially younger people that, um, I would say even like early twenties and they're kind of getting in, we've had some of these guests on where they're, they're very, very, they're wired to be an entrepreneur. They're wired to be successful, but they struggle with some of those, you know, day-to-day -day activity, you know, the, the concept of why am I, why am I tired if I'm this young? I'm, I keep being told by these old guys, I shouldn't be tired. I should just keep going, but setting that schedule and being in a routine seven days a week, you know, keeping your body lined out every single day to have the same time you wake up, same time you go to bed. Um, 
obviously diet has a lot to do with that too. You know, I mean, God, when I was on my twenties, I'd eat great for a week and I eat horrible for a week, you know, was, so that all has a play, but, but having that understanding of just staying on a schedule and committed to that schedule is it's just, it's amazing how much easier things get for you if you can do that. And I think that's a great point for sure. Um, especially as you're like trying to, you're not, you're juggling a lot of different things going on at once, you know, and, and Evan and I have been there. We've had restaurants while we're building homes, while we're doing coffee shops, while we're, you know, at one point he, at the beginning of all this, he was doing an internet startup company. And it was just like, we were, it looked like we were all over the map and people would ask us all the time, how do you have enough hours in the day to do all these things? And it's because, well, we have a schedule and you're right. This hour, I was very productive this hour, not as much because I have other people kind of intertwined with what I'm doing. Um, so every hour you're absolutely right is very different, but the schedule, if you stay there, your energy's up, you know, you're focused on yourself. I mean, I keep preaching to people, especially in this last year, how important health is. Um, as Evan's, you know, still choking on a lung here, we all get reminded of, Hey, you know, we're going to get sick, you can't prevent it all the time. And when that happens, just be as ready as possible and be prepared and stay on the schedule and everything else. If you're committed to all those things, it doesn't seem as out of control as it looks, you know, to somebody else. And that's super important. So it's, that's a good, you know, point. you know, a good metaphor for, you know, like Matt, you were talking about, like, if you see something, it's just like, that's what we're doing. Right. Um, and I use restaurants as a metaphor a lot because that they're perfect little microcosm businesses, mm -hmm. right? Where there's product, there's service, there's marketing, right? There's quality, there's environment, you know, you have different hierarchies and positions to hostess, to servers. So I always use them as a good like metaphor for it. But if you think about every real successful restaurant, the one that has a line around the street, the one that you got to, they, they tend to follow the same formula, which is they do one or two things great, mm -hmm. right? They don't try to spread it out. Like think Denver biscuit company, Shane, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's like they didn't say we got to add pasta to our menu. We got to as like, no, man, they make a crazy biscuit. And then they make a biscuit sandwich, biscuits and gravy, uh, biscuit desserts, you know, with all the different jams. And it's like the homemade honeys that go with the biscuits. And it's like that's all they do. Yep. You know, the same thing with uh, what's the new chicken finger place? Um Oh gosh, it's like a fast oh, food, but it's yeah. in that upper quality. Oh, I can't yeah. think what it's called now. Um, just chicken fingers, right? It's that's like, it. that's it, right? The, you go in there and you're like, do you have anything else? Like we can put chicken fingers on a bun if you want. You know, it's like, <laughs> and there's a line down the fucking street, you know, Chick-fil-A is a good example of this too. It's just like, let's just do chicken, right? And let's do chicken really well. And I think there is, um, if you can kind of pull your face back on a piece of paper, you know, it's probably where when we were younger, Shane and I, man, it was kind of like you can't do that many things great. Mm -hmm. Like there's just because you got to put so many hours into something great, you know, and I think that's what ended up happening. It was more of this idea of building a small empire. Mm -hmm. And then what you kind of do is you look back in your rearview mirror a little bit and you're like, man, I just not put enough hours into that or just not quite enough hours into that or not quite enough. And everything was good, you know what I mean? And it's ultimately why I ended up getting rid of everything. Mm -hmm. was just like, I just need to wash it. Like, you know what? That's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to do this. I'm going to quote Vanilla Ice. Um, <laughs> I heard him say something one time 
where he was like, it's like you're driving down a dirt road real fast. As long as you're going fast, all the dust behind you is behind you. But as soon as you slow down, that dust catches back up with you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like you you can either maintain that speed, but it's just not you can't do it forever before all of it kind of just catches back up with you a little bit. And so it's like it's better to just maintain a good speed on a straight road. You know what I mean? And you don't have to worry about it. And Mm. so it's like I got my business. I got my book. And I got my health. And at this point, like adding more things to it. And I think when we were chat- chatting before we got on this call, you said that you used to do this and then you sold that business. You invested in this and then you kind of sold that. And do you think some of that maybe inadvertently or subconsciously was due because you're like, I'm going to focus on my book and I'm going to or not necessarily my book, but things like that. Um, what made you decide to whittle it down a little bit? to your health, your business, and your book, yeah. and, and away from doing a lot of other things. I looked at, you know, what always fascinated me, right? And I, I forget who I first heard this from, but the whole analogy between- Vanilla your, ice? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Vanilla <exactly>. ice? <laughs> great, great philosopher. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. The wise vanilla ice. No, um, but it is funny how you catch nuggets like that from people. It'll just hit you. You're like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> but- is, you know, the, the difference between a general practitioner and a brain surgeon, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how much a brain surgeon makes relative to a general practitioner. And my grandfather always said, he was like, like, we know, I know, how, I know all construction, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with electrical, plumbing, you know, framing, like, you know, this was something I was passionate about. I was reading books on this stuff when I was 12 on the job site, but we stuck to masonry and concrete because it was just, I wanted to be really, really good at one thing. I wanted to know everything I could about that one area. And so as the business did better and better and better, I was in these other businesses, but like you say, it was, it was a dilution of time. Right. And I was like, what made me great in masonry and concrete? Well, I played second in the country in a bricklaying competition. I was at school on Saturdays laying brick. I was obsessed with it. Right. Wait, is that true? Yeah. There's a bricklaying competition. Oh, cool. hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh my God. That's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like somewhere deep on ESPN's like channel. Yeah. You know Ocho. what I mean? Where it's like, what is this? Yeah. 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 I love it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't cover it. Unfortunately. <laughs> Otherwise I'd be famous. And, and that's right. <laughs> Sponsorships. Uh, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, I looked at what worked. I was like, you know, I'm doing these other businesses and I'm passionate. The the passion wasn't there as much either. I think that was a big thing for me, right? Like I liked it, but I didn't love it. And there's sometimes there's a fine line between like and love. And, you know, I love what I'm doing with contractors and homeowners. I love, you know, masonry and concrete in that industry. I love the, you know, this, this skilled labor shortage and, and what opportunities there are to help impact this and solve this. Like, you know, that really, for me, I found that I can do more things if I love them all versus like them. Yep. And that, that was a big one for me. That's but getting important. rid of stuff certainly helped. What are some of the things that you were doing? I mean, just take us back to a few of the businesses you've owned and even, and it sounds like more recently, even sold, you know, what, what were the other things you're kind of getting into? Cause you're certainly an entrepreneur business person by heart. So yeah, we had a, uh, we had a food truck business. Um, okay. We had a food truck. We were doing healthy, uh, like acai bowls and um, juices and these chocolate dip frozen bananas that were really cool. Oh, God. Uh, Nutella. Um, <laughs> we had that business. Um, I got into a, a, a Japanese skincare uh, business through somebody I'd met uh, who had distribution rights in the US. And I liked the product. And I was like, yeah, you know, I enjoy business and marketing. So nice. that was fun. Um, I mean, all sorts of stuff, really. I mean, I was just kind of like, but. I had a, a mentor of mine and he kind of said, you know, he said, be careful 
of the seduction of business. Yes. Yes. That's a good, that's a good saying for sure. It will seduce you rapidly. Um, Yeah. It it does so fast. Sexy mother trucker. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just like, what if that does become the thing Uh that gets me? And it's like, Hey man, um, (laughs) stick with what motivates you first. Right. Right. And go from there. Uh, cause everything looks attractive, especially when someone's asking you for money, right. Yeah. You know, oh, or yeah. to invest, it always sounds great. It's always the next greatest thing. Mm. Um, and just by simple mathematical deduction, it's probably not right. Because there's been 10,000 new things and there's still only one Microsoft, you know, um, or Google or, you know, or Uber. It's like, that's a great idea, you know, and it's usually the easy ideas. They're simple and clean and nothing too complex. Um, but yeah, no, because it happens all the time. I still feel like once a month I'm getting pitched some sort of business. Um, yeah. Do you want to get in on this? Get on the ground floor, Evan? No, I wish you guys the best of luck. <laughs> um, I have uh, no interest in um, dog food that turns poop into fertilizer. Not, not, <laughs> sometimes you just got to pick up dog shit, man. You know, like, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't see that being a thing. Um, by the way, no one was pitching that idea to me. Uh, I was just trying to think of an example, (laughs) but someone's going to, so if you don't mind, Matt, um, how old are you? Um, uh, I turned 29 in uh, what is it? Three weeks. Okay. Okay. So you're under, you're an under 30, under 30. Yeah. That's great, man. That's great. You have, uh, and I'm going to say right now, you have inspired me for sure, because um, I always like getting younger guys on that, that uh, it reinvigorates my youth for sure. And, and it's got to keep us going. We've had a, a lot of younger guys that are just like, man, why wasn't hey. I like you at 19? You know, yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt is the dust. Yep. Right? It's like, if I slow down, he's going to he catch catch. Yep. It's like, Oh God, damn it. Yeah. Dude, you better not slow down. That does is behind you. Man. Yeah. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah. He's coming, um, man. He's the great coming. vanilla eyes. <laughs> vanilla <laughs> eyes, the philosopher. Uh, you never knew. Funny to me. You never yeah. knew. Well, Matt, tell um, us when is your book coming out? Or do you, I mean, I know it's kind of like, those are always Lucy deadlines, but um, kind of give us a projection on when that's going to hit. And then, Throw out everything you're doing, your contact info, all that. Well, obviously on the video side, we post all that stuff, but um, just so the listeners can have that too, for sure. Yeah, we're thinking probably, I would say mid-May, we'll put the final touches on it. So about a month. Um, And then, you know, theundercovercontractor.com. Um, Matt D at the undercover contractor. I'm pretty accessible. I mean, I love this stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, if you have a question or a thought or an idea or whatever, I mean, I'm, you know, I never liked that when I was like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't reach out to people. So I've always said, I yeah. want to really like, I want to be in things and I'm so passionate about it that, you know, I want to answer emails or hop on the oh, phone yeah. or do calls or like, I was so excited to talk to you guys. Like I was like, this yeah. is so cool. And you know, so yeah. Really we love cool. doing this stuff, man. I'm, I'm glad we started this podcast. I mean, I'm, I, I'm glad I got uh, forcibly started on the YouTube stuff. It's been, it's been fun. Um, I do like talking to people about this stuff and I think it's greatly important to, to kind of just get all that out there, especially for getting people like you out there too. It's Thank immensely you. important. Um, and you're, I'm assuming you're still doing, it looks like you're doing, you still do foundation structure, you do all kinds of stuff. I know, I know some investors <laughs> and some, you know, I would say owner builder guys out in the LA San Diego areas that, you know, I can, I can connect you with if needed, yeah. but um, yeah, I'll, I'll post your website on here too, but, um, 
he's he's still a contractor guys so don't forget sure am. yeah we were, i was at the <laughs> waldorf astoria trying to figure out a granite issue they had yes uh what was it this week i mean we we're doing it every you know i mean i love that stuff too so yeah that's fun yeah. stuff yeah. i do enjoy that i've always been a kind of a masonry geek i learned how to do a little bit but i like i like structure that's kind of my my thing i really nerd out structure and energy stuff is where i nerd out and the rest can be just certainly handed off to everybody else so, yeah 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 <clears throat> Well, and you got to build a foundation that allows you to springboard into things like books. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, it's always the advice that I give young, you know, business minded or entrepreneurial uh, kids. I don't know what else, how else to describe them. But it's like build, you got to have your foundational piece. Like what's the thing that you do that pays the bills and does all of this. And then the trick is figure out how you can do that more efficiently and get your time investment back. And then that becomes a thing that allows you to be able to start thinking about writing a book or evaluating new businesses, or if you want to do a food truck, but you, but you can't just go from, you know, nothing. So it's kind of like, it will never leave that business part mm. because that's, that's kind of what gives the, you know, it's, it's the brick and mortar, no pun intended, good, I did it, um, on all of your other businesses. That's right. Uh, right. You got to have that thing that does well. And if it starts to crumble a little bit, you got to say, pull back from the other things and go back and kind of fix it, get it going again. And then you can, you know, reinvest your time back in new opportunities. But it sounds like you've done exactly that, man. So we hired great people. I mean, that was the biggest thing I learned is I started looking at yeah. companies and I'm like, you got people and processes. I mean, that's mm -hmm. really what, you know, you stripped out of business. It's like, who's doing it and what are they doing? That's right. So I was like, you know, we, I became obsessed with, you know, with hiring and building the best, you know, the best team. Cause I realized if I was the only person that knew how to address certain things in my business, it was always going to be a bottleneck. And, and I didn't even want that. I wanted to create an environment where I could bring in a bunch of A players and have them really enjoy it and challenge them and give them just, you know, give them a lane. Like, like my dad gave me, I mean, there was no, no speed limit on the road. He gave me, let me tell you. Was yeah. like, you know, Fast so. as you want to go, man. Yeah, yeah. No street lights either. I love it, dude. So cool. awesome, man. Well, very cool, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this with us, man. Um, and I'm glad we got this scheduled. And uh, I was a little MIA with my COVID and surgery. And, um, so I'm glad with this all got put together. Sounds like a lot of fucking excuses, Evan. It's just a lot of excuses. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's all I got anymore. You know what I mean? It's just excuses. Yeah, I'm going to make an excuse to go watch the rest of the Masters. Oh, um, that's right. We got that too. Yeah, I know. I probably won't. I've already told my wife I want to go to Home Depot today. You got um, time. You got time for all of it. Make it happen. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, hey, Evan, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you're look. You look better. You sound better. I know you've been kind of, you know, struggling with the coughing that, too. But hey, just uh, yeah. uh, and again, stay with Doctor Matt for sure. But um, yeah, Matt, it's been great having you on. I appreciate we. I'm glad we got you squeezed in. Yeah. Um, we'll certainly have to stay in touch, and we'll we'll get you back on here in a little bit and, and kind of check yeah. in. With totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll do this out. again and check back it. You know yeah. what? Why don't we actually do that when your book comes out? Uh, we'll get you back on here. Yeah, we'll figure um, it out. And we'll figure it out, man. And we can talk about it a little bit. Maybe we'll just do a whole thing on the book. Nice. Because um, cool. yeah, you, sure. you said like the 10 things. I'm like, I really want to know what the 10 <laughs> things are. But don't do it here. Don't do it here. Don't the don't open the door out. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go through five of them. And yeah, so yeah. The, the, if you want to know the other five, you can buy the book. Yeah, I love, I love it. it. I love it. All right, man. Well, this is great, man. Matt, appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, man. And be well. And we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. Shane, yeah. you want to get us out? Yeah. Thank you all for listening uh, on the way out. If you're on the YouTube channel, <laughs> find that thumbs up, please. It helps us out. 
uh, YouTube is getting squirrely. So if you can't find it right away and you are subscribed, just type in Built by Bailey's. It'll pop right up. Subscribe if you haven't. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. We love all the support we've been getting. Uh, like I said, we're on all the audio platforms as well. So if you're listening to those, make sure you hit subscribe on one of those as well. Um, we got videos every Monday and Friday too. And then I'm, uh, we'll see what happens with, with some of the market stuff. But we're going to go live every Wednesday pretty soon too. But appreciate all you guys. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the sponsors. And uh, you guys keep building. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Later, guys. Peace. Thanks, Matt. Take Later. care, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Take care, guys. Bye. Really Always. Thank you.